Irvel actually started asking his followers, they said, I want you to come guns a-blazing and get me out of this maximum security. And I wonder if that's part of the reason that we heard from law enforcement multiple times asking us, do you think that the FLDS people would ever try to do that? Do you think that they would ever come and try to physically remove, physically Warren. remove Warren because they are telling their people for years now that that God is going to re- get him out of prison somehow. And so law enforcement in some cases have been nervous that, you know, maybe they need to be prepared for a war at the prison gate. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Sam. And I'm Alyssa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years and have two awesome kiddos. Yes, we do. Today, we are going to be reacting to the Daughters of the Cult, episode number three. Yes, and if any of you have not seen our other previous reactions to the other two episodes, I will link them above. But I will say that this episode felt a lot like episode two in the sense where it was like, Holy crap, holy crap, I can't believe how similar Ervil LeBaron and Warren Jeffs are. Yes, in so many instances, Ooh. which we will get into, but it was very, very frequent that we would pause and say, holy smokes, what these daughters are talking about is exactly how I felt when such and such happened. And this is exactly how Warren Jeffs acted when law enforcement was after him and these different things. So very interesting to to kind of see the parallels there and the very similar acts that both of them had. Yes, this episode started off with, you know, episode two ended, I guess I should say, with the raid where they grabbed Dan and they grabbed Ervil, but they didn't think that Ervil was Ervil. Dan said, I'm Ervil. That's a mouthful, what I just said. But <laughs> it was he pretended like he was Ervil and they let Ervil get away, which they were not happy about. And they talked about the fact that the government was really realizing the how bad things could get because of Jonestown having happened just a year before that. And so they're really seeing, okay, do we want this to happen again? This seems super like a super dangerous group. And they kind of start talking about, you know, the kids went to Ramona and they had no idea that she was involved in the shooting at all because at this point, Rena and Dan are sent across the border back to the U.S. They're sent back to Utah to go on trial for the murder of Rulin Allred. Right. And it's so crazy how many times they got away with everything that they were doing. Oh, yeah. Like Rena, for example, she was tried in court and ultimately they had nothing to hold her on, you know? And, well, because she lied, right? Right. She lied and said, I have no idea who Rulin, Je- Rulin Allred is. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and it seemed like, to the jurors anyway, that she was a victim, which in a roundabout way, yes, she was. But ultimately, she pulled the trigger multiple times, right? So, so she had a, a very good reason to be in prison. But at that time, they didn't have any proof or any solid proof, I guess. Yeah, 20 years old. She was pregnant. The jury had a lot of sympathy for her and the fact that nobody could positively ID her. Sam and I have mentioned this multiple times. We've talked about the fact that like nowadays everything's on camera, right? There's cameras mm. everywhere. Um, but back here in the 70s, you know, they didn't have the cameras to just be able to identify people right. left and right and through stoplights and all, all the technology that we have now. So when she gets on the stand and just lies, which I don't know why too, that kind of shocked me. I feel like nowadays when people are criminals... They don't ever want to like implicate themselves. And so you don't really hear 
as much about people lying as much as them just like pleading the fifth and saying that they they don't want to answer the question mm -hmm. so they don't get put on the stand to begin with so for her to just blatantly lie on the stand i was like oh my word like that's crazy it is crazy something though you that i often think about is when people are in a circumstance or under the pressure that they were in that rena was in with herbal and Dan and all of them that were probably frequently threatening their lives if they didn't do exactly what they were told, and also believing that they were pro that Ervil uh, was a prophet of God. Have you ever heard the term "lying for the Lord"? Mm. I think that maybe she thought it was okay to lie. Maybe even if she wasn't a liar naturally, I wonder if she got to the point where she thought it was okay to lie, even in front of government officials and the judge. Even if she was swearing with her hand on the Bible, if she thought that ultimately what she was doing it for was for the greater good. Yeah, and they had talked about the two daughters in this documentary talk about the fact that like they were sent with Mark and Lillian for a little while mm -hmm. and how they were true believers of Ervil and how they were just like these amazing people. Like Mark was this awesome husband. He was a great father. He didn't te treat teenage girls like they were to be brides. He treated them like children and and all these good things. And they said, but it was believed that he was a hitman for Ervil and that they were such good people. And there's no way that with their own free will, they would have done the horrible things that Ervil had asked of Mark because he was such a good guy, right? So lying for the Lord, all these different things ultimately led to the acquittal of Dan, the acquittal of Rena. And when they all get off, the whole community says, well, it's God. Like, God let them all right. be free. And Mark, this person, well, first of all, he kind of reminded me of a lot of the men in the FLDS that that I was familiar with that maybe I didn't know super personally, but seemed like in every interaction I had with them as these really good people that probably would do awful things for the prophet or if they thought it was for the Lord. And it kind of reminded me of what Mark was doing. But also, Mark ultimately turned himself in Mm -hmm. at the U.S. and Mexican border to be able to basically go in and try to plead the case for Rena and Dan to try to prove that they were that they were not guilty. And so who knows how much lying he did mm -hmm. to try to convince law enforcement that they were not guilty. I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting. And to see, you know, like I said, as the Mexican authorities decided that they were going to crack down a little bit. They did ultimately raid and find Ervil again. They took him to the border as well, and Ervil went to trial. And after seeing the first trial and the fact that, like, Rena is the one who pulled the trigger. She's the one who actually murdered yep. Rulin Allred, and he got off. And in my head, I was thinking, Ervil hasn't actually himself killed anyone. Obviously, conspiracy for murder, 100%. But... How are they going to be able to like wrap him into this evidence right. that he's guilty? And so I was like, oh my gosh, what if he gets off again? I, I was know. nervous. I, I was, was super nervous. I was super concerned that he was going to somehow break free again. And if he had, well, we'll get into what happened. But if he had, that would have been so faith promoting for his followers if he had gotten off again. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But thankfully, he was 
proven to be guilty. And I think a big part of that was his own son coming out and testifying against him, saying that, you know what, I was there when he told these people to go and murder other people. Yeah, if it wasn't for his son being so brave, because I can't imagine the amount of courage that would take, but if it wasn't for his son, there's no way that they would have had him, because Mm. even his defense, his public defender was saying, you know, they don't really have you on a whole lot, like they can't prove a lot of this. And then when his son came out and testified, it kind of sealed the deal, and he ended up being you know, guilty. But what he did once he was guilty and put in prison was such a big, well, two big Warren Jeffs moments when they caught him to begin with, backing up a second, when they caught him to begin with, they all said they could not believe that God let him be caught. And that was me a hundred percent. I couldn't believe when Warren Jeffs was caught, I was in the same shoes as these, as these followers of Herbal that I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, how could God, and, and, and kind of like Ervil as well, his followers had seen him break out of prison before, it, not break, but was set free because of his lying and scheming. And they thought that it was an act of God. And so for me, kind of the same way, Warren Jeffs had just uh, with a very small margin had escaped the law so many times that I thought that would continue going on forever. So when they actually caught him, I couldn't believe it. Just like them, I said, how in the world would God let this happen? That was my first thought. But then, of course, it leads on to other things. And then when he's convicted and he's guilty, everyone goes, oh my gosh, how is this happening? And they said that they started praying. Like some of the kids didn't even know that he'd been convicted and was guilty and was going to prison until everybody's praying that he's going to be released from prison. He's told he's going to be released from prison. Like he's telling his followers, his followers are praying for his release and they believe that he's going to be released because God's going to release him, Yep. which is another Warren Jeffs thing, right? Yep. And the idea that he's going to be, that Warren Jeffs is going to be magically released and the walls will come tumbling down and the heavens will protect him. But Ervil actually started asking his followers, they said, I want you to come guns a blazing and get me out of this maximum security And I wonder if that's part of the reason that we heard from law enforcement multiple times asking us, do you think that the FLDS people would ever try to do that? Do you think that they would ever come and try to physically remove Warren Warren because they are telling their people for years now that that God is going to get him out of prison somehow? And so law enforcement in some cases have been nervous that, you know, maybe they need to be prepared for a war at the prison gate. And it sounds like this is what Ervil definitely wanted his followers to do. And it's, I mean, they would know, they even said, they all knew that it would be a suicide mission. Yeah. And so thank goodness, neither the LeBaron group or the FLDS have tried something like that. Right. But the fact that that's where their mindset kind of goes, right? And then they talked about the fact that as soon as he was put into prison, he just started writing revelations all through the night, legal pad after legal pad, and just writing and writing and writing. And then family members, some of his wives, some of his closest followers, just like Warren Jeffs, comes, sneaks the revelations. I mean, in Warren Jeffs' case, they didn't even have to sneak, but like getting the revelations out and sending it to all the people. And, so it, it, the interesting thing about these is everybody knows at this point that at least those that follow Warren Jeffs and what is going on and have seen other videos of ours, that Warren Jeffs has been writing revelations in prison basically from the moment that he was put in prison as well. Mm-hmm. He was put in prison and he just, instead of his followers saying, okay, he's obviously not a prophet because now he's in prison. 
No, he continued to lead his people and things just got more strict. Things got more crazy. The revelations got more intense and he was just writing away. And to this day, Warren Jeffs continues to write those revelations, telling his people to do certain things and They've gotten really extreme. So extreme. And it sounds like Ervil's got like to that point even faster. Right. But they mentioned in this show that some of these revelations only reached his family. Mm-hmm. That not not every not all of his followers saw all of the revelations he was writing. And so that also reminded me, and we've heard, and we've recently got our hands on some of these revelations that went only to Warren's family which most everyone else doesn't know about. They have no idea. And it even says in some of these revelations, this is not to be shared with anyone in the outside world. This is only for my family. And so some of the revelations that are going only to the families, in both cases, for Ervil and Warren Jeffs, are even way more extreme in some cases than the revelations that the rest of the followers are getting. Yeah, they're getting crazier. They're getting more dangerous, the same as Ervil's were. And Ervil's followers, you know, they said there were a lot of people who were just like, this is getting too crazy, like absolutely not, and started leaving, which I will say the FLDS, I think might have been a little bit of a slower burn because Warren has now been in prison for so long. There's been such a long time period for him to slowly like get crazier in his revelations mm-hmm. over time. With Ervil, it was only a year before he mysteriously died. Yeah. And before we get into his death, I think, you know, his escalation to what he was asking and people saying, absolutely not, I'm not down to do that. And you have to remember, he had a very, very small following as well. You know, Warren just had over 10,000 people. Orville only had 100 from the original breakoff, even if he had gained a few more. Mm-hmm. Talking about a very small group of people. Yeah. And so for a lot of those people to say, absolutely not, this is crazy, like, I'm out of here type of thing. I feel like would be a little bit easier in some cases, but because they don't have that same sense of huge community. And and they even mentioned that some of his revelations got so wacky, Herbal's revelations, that some of his own family and followers said, uh, even Dan, who was his right-hand man, said, no, I I can't follow through with these. these. These just sound crazy. And come to find out, he was mentally ill you know, for the majority of his life, it sounds like, or at least that's what they're saying. I don't, that's what his daughters are saying. I don't know how they would have found out that information, but it is interesting. Just going kind of, sorry, kind of going back to the revelations stuff. It's so interesting to me that, that both Ervil and Warren and so many other self-proclaimed prophets feel the need to write everything down or Mm -hmm. record things. And ultimately I, like if you're trying to actually not get caught, why would you write it down? Why would you record it? Because the things that they're writing down and recording are so insane, insane and ultimately will destroy them because it will get out eventually some way or another. Yeah. Well, even Orville, like when they first caught him, they really didn't have a whole lot on him, but he was willing to talk. Mm-hmm. He was like, I can kill whoever I want to because God told me I can, yeah. right? So he was next level. In the he fact was crazy that, like, for sure. He was just talking and blurting all this out and wasn't ashamed of it because he was saying, I'm the president of the United States. I'm this, I'm that. And so it was much easier to just label him crazy. People ask us all the time whether or not we think Warren is mentally ill 
or if he's an evil genius. Like a mastermind. Mastermind. Yeah. And it's hard to know sometimes the difference, whether or not that was the same with Ervil. Was he actually crazy? Was it a legitimate mental illness? Was it him just truly believing and having so much conviction that he was speaking for God? Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to know where that line is for both of them, you know, beyond. Because if you're just going off the revelations, you they sound crazy. That they're crazy. Right. And, and, and yeah, it is tough because if you label them as crazy, then you're letting them off. You know, in some way or another, you're not, they won't be held accountable for all of the awful things they've done. And so I don't, it, nobody really wants to label them as crazy because they deserve the punishment for the things that they've done to other people and the, and the, and the harm that they've caused. But at the same time, because of the lengths they're willing to go, it almost seems like they actually believe what they're preaching. Mm -hmm. And if they believe what they're preaching, what does that say about their mental stability? Yeah, really intriguing and so many similarities between yeah. the two. Ultimately, Ervil, I mean, he was only in prison for a year and he was found dead. They said natural causes of a heart attack. He was only in his 50s. Obviously, some people, they said that there was like tissue in his neck that was damaged. Yeah, that the, it might, he might have punched himself in the throat. I also feel like if somebody did attack him or like suffocated him, yes. that would have damages. So it's really, I mean, we'll never know really what ended up killing Ervil LeBaron. It sounds, I mean, it, maybe. I mean, I guess if they, they didn't say for sure what the evidence showed, if it showed knuckles as though he had punched himself, they said his, all of his neck muscles were hemorrhaged. So I don't know what that looked like in the autopsy, but, but if someone it was still a heart attack, according to the official report, right? But based on that, like it seems like someone may have snuck up behind him and strangled him. I don't know, but yeah. who knows? Their their official statement is heart attack. Yep, and again, going to I feel like kind of the same way that will happen with Warren if he dies in prison. Right, there are groups of people who are going to think that he dies a martyr, mm -hmm. like Ervil LeBaron, and his legacy can live on because they took all of his revelations, called it the Book of the New Covenant, which he basically had made a fifty-person hit list of these are the people that you should kill that have gone against me, and all of those revelations continued to live on, particularly through a lot of his teenage children and teenage followers that have been there raised their whole life that they were supposed to be defending the true church, defending Zion, and and now you have a bunch of teenagers with guns with this book that they're still following. It's a very scary thought. We haven't gotten to the point of the show yet that where they explain if they ever do get to the point where they explain what happens to Ervil's son that testified against him. Ooh, but I'll bet you, that. I'll bet you his son's name is on that 50 person hit list. Oh, hundred percent. And I have heard rumors from the outside world of what may have happened or didn't happen to his son, but I haven't seen officially what like proof of what happened. Yeah, I'm sure but, it'll be coming up in the next episodes. But right yeah. now it's really just what is this new group they organized as Kingdom of God. And it's going to be what are they going to be using Ervil LeBaron's revelations for in the future. And I think that's still a fear a little bit within the FLDS too. You know, just because if Warren has been able to keep the FLDS religion and community alive from behind bars for what, like 18 years now? Uh, yeah, at least just because 17, of, yeah. Yeah, so just because if he died tomorrow, 
It doesn't mean that his revelations are going to die. And it doesn't mean that his followers are going to just blow away. Yeah, I would be very interested to see who might try to stand up. Someone will. I mean, they always have. Someone will try to stand up and claim to be the prophet. Uh, I just hope that at that point, if it does get to that point where someone does try to claim to be the prophet, which may be one of his own sons, or who knows, that if that does happen, I'm hoping that by the time it does, there's a very small following. Because there are a lot of people that, like in the LeBaron group, that have started to look at the revelations that Warren has been sending and saying, you know what, that's a little bit too much for me. I'm going to continue living the life that I think is a good life, but I'm not going to follow those teachings anymore. So it seems to be pretty common now that people are starting to realize that they don't want to follow. Not only that, but I feel like anytime there's churches with prophets and modern revelation, the idea that a new prophet can come along and change so much Mm -hmm. in the name of God, for all we know, if one of his sons took over, they could get rid of underage brides completely. They could turn the community around if they really wanted to. They could gather people back up and change things in a positive way if they wanted to. If they chose to say, oh, well, I'm the prophet now and God's told me we no longer need to follow these rules from Warren, they would have the power to do that. So it'll be interesting to see when that does happen. When Warren does pass away, whoever takes over, are they going to continue to lead it down Warren's path or are they going to do a 180 and go the opposite direction and hopefully lead people in a much better direction. You can hope. The hurdle that that new so-called prophet would have, though, is getting over the revelations that Warren has already sent out, Mm -hmm. saying how things are meant to be done. They would have to explain themselves on how those were no longer needed. So that would be a challenge. Oh, I don't know. That one... God, you had these try here. I can do it. Ready? Yeah. You had these trying times, and you have proven yourself faithful. And so now we don't need to live by these higher laws, because now the Lord says that you can drink milk and have eggs again for your nourishment and preparing for Zion. Sounds simple enough. Let's see. I, that's what I hope for. That's what I hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's almost frustrating that people can come in and and uh, just. Change things. You see it all the time. When one leader dies, another leader becomes the new leader and, and changes everything. And, and it's, it's great in some cases that it is for the betterment of the people, but also the people that, that, were, that were following all along, like Warren Jeff's followers that have been there from the beginning, they're going to say, wait, what? All of a sudden, now it's okay that I do this, 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 and that, and I haven't been able to? How is, that? How is it okay that God can change things on a whim like that? It was just a trial for that time, babe. Right. I know. There's always an excuse. There is, but it would be challenging, I think, for some. And that's why there's always people that fall away from the church when a new leader comes in and changes things up because some agree and some don't agree. So I guess we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that uh, something good happens, like you said, if if anything. yeah. And hopefully for the LeBaron group, hopefully whatever's going to be happening with the kingdom of God, which I'm sure is what's going to be in the next episode, Uh, hopefully they're stopped before too much havoc is reached. Yes. We will find out. We'll definitely be reviewing. We'll be back next week for the next episode of Daughters of the Cult. If you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, then please like and subscribe. Yes, and thank you all so much for being back here with us again today. We really do appreciate it and look forward to talking with you soon. Talk to you all soon.